Hello, students. Welcome to the recap of the trial of Axon Punk Overdrive. I am everyone's favorite co-host, the Caleb G, and I've brought back our players. We have Scott. Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. And Matthew. What's up, Trolls of the Void? Okay, so this has been a busy week of bonus episodes. You heard my interview with Colin on the launch day of the Exxon Punk Overdrive Kickstarter. You just heard our actual play trial episodes, and now we are back here together to talk about it. So, guys, initial gut reactions. What did we think? My gut tells me it was awesome. I I uh I think my favorite thing was the setting. It was a rich, interesting, detailed setting with its own musical score and and uh its own sort of um sort of recombinatoric take on on a lot of existing tropes that we've seen in cyberpunk, kind of a reinterpretation but but an assimilation, a bit of an evolution. I liked it. Synthesis along with synthetic beings. It was good. Matt, what are you thinking over there? I also really enjoyed the setting and the breath in which he gave to the world. Um, I thought that I was really going to miss uh, elves and magic and dragons, but I, I was just playing with one the whole time instead. But um, I th- I did think that I was going to miss it, but then when we got into it, it was actually really, really cool, and I wish we had had more time to delve into it. But in the time we had, it was pretty cool. And yeah, the fact that a game has a borderline has its own soundtrack already is pretty funny and cool i also loved this game session and i love these mechanics as well axon punk overdrive is cyberpunk but it is the william gibson style cyberpunk it is technology driven but still grounded in reality we've got cyber technology we've got hackers we have ais we have the internet that is massive and world-spanning. We have arcologies. We have corporations that have taken over everything. But it's all still very gritty and real, as opposed to Shadowrun, which has all of that plus magic and orcs and dragons. You're damn right. Yeah, I, I appreciated the um, decoupling of, of those aspects of Shadowrun. I, I enjoy those aspects of Shadowrun, but but there's something really satisfying in, in playing in that uh, that harder science fiction area. Kind of like reminded me of, of the setting when we were playing uh, Faith a bit, you know, that, that, that sort of like, mm. it's dark mm-hmm. and dangerous and in space, that, that, that kind of focus on the reality of it, uh, I think really captured me. And then um, the, 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 this over Faith kind of focused on the, the cultural evolution of society, right? That I think a lot of uh, like science fiction and and other uh, sort of similar future settings miss right they they advance technology but society's the same right basically like we're in space but i still like take my hat off and put it on the hat rack because this was written in the 1920s right mm-hmm. um so i I'm, I'm glad that they've they've evolved society and, and and taken notes that we have and moved on with them i thought that was neat out of everything we should touch on here or discuss i i think the most worthwhile thing is to give Colin and his team amazing props for the world they have developed here. We, we, we've we touched on the fact that we really liked the setting and the flavor for this version of cyberpunk, and Colin touched on this during the game itself as well as during our pregame interview. 
but they have approached this game world from a musical background. And they have tried to incorporate music not only into the mechanics, but into the flavor, into the very depths of this society. There's a Church of Tupac. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot to tell him about that shirt. Like a hundred years ago, I walked into like a Pac Sun type of thing, right? And they had two shirts side by side on a rack. And I didn't buy it, and I still regret it to this day. The shirts had on one of them was Tupac being held by two kangaroos doing a keg stand. And the other one was Biggie Smalls being held by two kangaroos doing a keg stand. And I still regret to this day not getting the, one of their shirts because it's just incredible. And if I'd had one, I would have worn it if I knew about the t- Tupac church thing. That's that's an incredible shame. Our hearts bleed for you. Yeah. Are are we saying that that shirt is a holy relic of the Church of Tupac? Exactly. Is that, that is, that's that is the what, connection That is here? what uh, Priest Anthony was wearing. I, I enjoyed that the Church of Tupac was was really it was almost like like a pre generated just for our game using the mechanics that they've developed to generate uh, locales because this is supposed to be a very like a like a neighborhood based game. I've I um I've talked a little bit on the program about uh the the sort of the the pre D and D SVU game I ran with my home group for a year, and and that focus on really on the neighborhood and neighborhood policing and and developing uh, local places. I I really got to see that as a thread run through the year. You know, the, the players develop relationships with the, the, the society and the shop owners and the people, and, and you want to keep coming back to those. And so giving that a mechanical benefit, generating those live at the table with little half-sized cards that have some rules and aspects, and then and then it's there for you to play with. I, I, I really enjoy that idea. And that was something we obviously did not get to do for this one shot because the neighborhood and the characters were pre-generated for us. Uh, however... Colin did that using the existing mechanics that will be there in the actual rule set. And he even touched on that, that as in a real game, as you move forward, you would say if there's a new location, he would give you a little card to start filling stuff out on, define why it's important, some of the troubles that can be drawn from it, that kind of thing. So the rules very much reinforce that, create the community as the game moves on. So in a situation where you are actually playing a campaign, I trust that that would be reinforced through gameplay and you'd be able to make up your own churches and features and characters. Yeah, I think that's how the Church of Tupac came up was that it was just made up for our game, right? Pre-generated. I have a very long Twitter conversation with Colin and he actually said that was something he was working on quite a long time ago. So. Ah! He has a passion for this type of community and flavor and musical influence. So it's definitely something that uh, he really, really likes. But honestly, I just loved how he brought it up. Like these people are meditating on the music that is 30, 40 years old because it's it's meditation. It's calming. It's inspirational. It, It calls back to a to a simpler time. When uh, your your life was straightforward, you 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 could reap the rewards from your labor fairly, right? It's for, you know, and 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 these these people who are speaking to you are speaking to you about about uh, social ills, about uh, rising up, about about achieving success in their dreams, right? Uh, so, it, and it's just very funny to kind of be smacked with the realization that that's the exact same proportionate analysis of what 
church hymns really are in the real world. They're music from several decades ago in a simpler, more enriching time uh, that allow you to meditate on what is important to maybe get through a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. So in the future of Axon Punk, those things they meditate on are the music of our modern era, which makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Axon Punk was previously titled BC Punk, standing for Burning Chrome Punk, not British Columbia Punk. Ooh, Burning Chrome Punk just makes me want to, you know, see flying V8s and witness and all that stuff. Well, considering everything is based on the William Gibson invention of cyberpunk, Burning Chrome being his collection of short stories, I thought that was a great connection to the source material. We actually playtested the original version of uh, BC Punk at a Catacon 2015. Uh, Colin had just spent several months developing that early version at that point, and he was kind enough to bring that game to us. In a short year, slightly over a short year, the game has completely metamorphosized and changed. Uh, He rebranded as Axon Punk. He has just recently added in all of these musical elements and flavor. I, I think it has been marvelous to watch this game evolve over the year, the year and a half that I have uh, been witness to it and been party to it. There, There's definitely a lot of changes on the character sheets. What we played with in this trial, there were essentially five statistics, impact, flow, freestyle, data bank, and soul. Good memory. Well, I'm looking at the character sheet. Oh, cheater. And on the original version, which I also have the character sheet right here. Wow, look at you, hoarder. He, I, I have never thrown away a character sheet, ever. Neither I have, every neither have I, I don't know, I'm, I wasn't mocking you in reality, I have them all behind me. He, uh, on the original character sheet, he had uh, six stats, basically digital cyber versions of the six D&D stats. He had uh, output, RAM, parts, operating system, ROM, and user interface. Interesting. Very yeah. cute. Very yeah. cute. A little different. Uh, and, and, the, and those were right down the line. Strength, Dex, Con, uh, and yeah, Int, uh, Wisdom, Charisma. I really like the new stats. What do you guys think? I, I strongly prefer them. I, I really, mm-hmm. these days, I kind of like odd numbers of stats. Uh, I don't know why, but three and five seem like really good. Uh, you know, it, it means that, that not everything has to have like a parallel or I don't know. I, I, I like them. I, I liked how these new terms for the stats were quite invocative of the musical background and flavor that colin is going for Uh, obviously flow freestyle and soul really mirror that uh, r&b rap kind of grounding that he's finding but even impact the impact of your words the impact of your intent in music is right there databank is the one thing that doesn't kind of fit that flavor but it definitely is part of the uh 
cyberpunk genre. You're giving me a weird look, Scott. Am I totally wrong? But apparently you just don't listen to a lot of DJ Databank. I do not. Okay, I'm wrong. Honestly, I just Googled that to make sure it was a real thing before I said it. So, <laughs> Well, uh, I, I will give Colin the benefit of the doubt and assume that he is a uh, musical aficionado and absolutely planned it based on that. Uh, Matt, what is your opinion of the stats, how they were used, uh, the changes from the earlier version to what we look at now? As you pointed out during the game, I uh, like to fly by the seat of my pants. And since we got this, these rules, uh, what was it, half hour before we sat down, I literally had absolutely no time to go over them. So uh, when I understood what was going on and towards the end I did, you know, it's two skills, you add them together, and then that number is added on to what you're rolling on a percentile dice. So that was fine. Um, there was a time in the beginning where I was like, what, where, where are these numbers? Is this the number I need to pass? I, but you know, as long as you can add, you're okay. Just, you know, give yourself a second. Cause when numbers get to double and triple digits, it gets crazy. So since we're digging into the mechanics here, let's just go over that real quick. So basically when you are making a roll, you choose a stat that is applicable. You add a bonus from a training if it is applicable. And then you roll percentile die. You're not trying to pass a DC or roll under or over a skill. You're simply generating a number. Just like in the D20 mechanics, you roll a D20 and add your various modifiers. I, you know, I, I really love that system. I've, I've played percentile systems like, uh, you know, Rift's Palladium system, right? And, uh, oh, like Spycraft, maybe a couple of others. And, and, and the whole idea of, like, having your, your, your stat be a percentile of success which is super depressing because 21% sounds really lame rather than just 21, which sounds like a big number. And then having to roll low under it. And so you're always hoping for that, like, ot uh, one, you know, I don't know. That, the, 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 those combinations never really did it for me, never really felt viscerally successful. But, but there's something that's great about rolling an 80 and adding a 40 and you're allowed to have more than 100 because it's not a percent, right? Mm -hmm. I, I really got down with that. Rolling, rolling low, I never understood as I, I still don't understand as a good thing like it just doesn't make sense to me it's like i always want to roll high so okay i very much appreciate how uh this game allows and encourages flexibility with how you're using your stats and your training it didn't really come up too often in our trial but the ability to justify different combinations of skills and stats is encouraged in Axon Punk. It does not specifically say strength relates to agility checks. Dexterity relates to acrobatics. Yeah. Intelligence relates to knowledge. Yeah, I, I enjoy that approach's abilities mashup, you know, borrowing that concept from, I mean, it's an optional rule in 5th edition D&D, &D, but they borrow that concept from, like, what, Fate, and, and they probably borrowed it from a couple of other places, right? I I, I like that, that idea, and I'm glad. Um, I think the system shows a lot of good, well-imported ideas like that. One of the core defining factors of Axon Punk is improvisation, and each character class has a specific improvisation a little paragraph that basically says you have free reign to do this discuss it with your gm define the impact there may or may not be a cost or a consequence 
Now, I think this is interesting because every game, for the most part, inherently lets you do that. But by outlining how you are doing it, Axon Punk is giving you a little bit of a guideline for your role-playing. And I think the intent is to provide a little bit of structure and a little bit of confidence to work within the genre and to help players who may not be as comfortable with creative storytelling. Does anyone think I'm off base there? No, no, absolutely. I, I, um, I I think, you know, you specifically empower people to improvise around this core concept and specifically guide uh, GMs, DMs to uh, rule in favor of that improvisation. I think it's, it's a great uh, gateway and maybe like a launching ramp for, for folks to have uh, a lot of success. Once I got a hang of that's what we were going to be doing, I was much more comfortable. But his world was so vast in the beginning, like everything he was explaining, like he was explaining where the food comes from and how the power source works. And I was like, yeah, oh, man, like, like I didn't want to I didn't want to step on his toes by saying something out of turn. So I was like, would I know? Like, I, but once like. I think it was once we made the red tomahawks. I was like, okay, cool. So we can do a little bit of, a little bit of whatever we want. Which here's to hoping they they make it into the book, guys, because that would just be like a hey, we're cool. Well, I think that goes back to what we touched on a little bit earlier that the game encourages players to create that sense of community and to come up with NPCs, locations, gangs, elements of the world that operate within this structure that Colin and his team have created. Yeah, you, you, the the goal is not to read 50 novels, right, in the 400 novel series so that you can have an idea of this one planet because these 50 novels from, from 22 different years of publishing cover the planet from various angles so you can kind of safely play in this space, right? The the, the goal is 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 that the, this, this picture's been painted in these really great broad strokes and they're kind of bold strokes, right, with colors, with music, and and then you you collectively you know with with like a trooper you create something within that I I think it's a great balance. One of the other things we did not get to touch on was uh, role play rewards as part of the campaign. Uh, this was on our character sheet, and Colin very briefly touched on it during some of our narrations. Uh, characters have backgrounds and troubles, very similar in concept to how those terms are used in other games. So if you know how they exist in yeah, in fate, fate in, in dungeon edition. world, clearly like the brought brought straight in, but uh, they were great concepts in fate. They were great concepts in dungeon world. I enjoy seeing Colin use like both dungeon worlds like checkbox mechanic for that and kind of fates like like abstract uh, open field that you that you fill out yourself like one of each. I and and reward both. I, I think it's and um, also support the idea of replacing it. Right, if it's 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 been resolved, which uh, both Dungeon World and Fate kind of have. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. Again, it encourages creative role play, and it encourages getting invested in the character and the world itself. And and it encourages uh, self sabotage as a player. And it encourages uh, moving on from problems to new problems, right? That the, the your trouble's not written in pen, right? It it you you you're designed just like um, in 
in fate, right? You, the, the, the intention is that you resolve these big issues that are with your character and move on and have new ones, right? Uh, like, like he explained, uh, you always have a trouble in this system, right? Everybody's always troubled, but uh, you, you, you can move from one to the next. What were you going to say, Matt? I was going to say that uh, from another system that I noticed they kind of pulled over was for like from the Dresden system where you're creating the world with the joints and the, and the places like, I know we passed that before, but then we were talking about other systems. So it brought it back to my memory. Not that I've played the Dresden system, but I've heard about it enough that I think I know what I'm talking about. That, that's awesome. I, I, uh, somebody shout out the name. If, if you can recall it, I recall a, a system about, uh, you're, you're supposed to be a thieving gang and the, the organization that you're blades in the dark, blades in the dark. And the, the organization you're creating as a character has its own sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember reading about that and, and the, your process of constructing mechanically and fictionally the, the organizations that you're working with, right? This environment. I love that idea and I'm, I'm glad to see it executed. So I think we can safely say that Exxon punk is a nice, amalgam of a lot of rules they're used in a very creative effective way but there's also some great new rules i specifically love the exhaustion rule i think that's a nice creative way to embrace the flavor of cyberpunk making yourself work harder overclocking yourself doing more than you would but it also mechanically immediately shows you the consequence, the cause and effect, the risk-reward. Some mechanics that attempt a risk-reward kind of thing don't always pull it off as well. And and I I think the way that Axon Punk uses this, it very clearly says, here's the benefit, here's the immediate consequence, Uh, but there's a nice payoff, there's a nice... Uh, resource pool to it as you said during the game scott you can keep taking these levels to offset the the penalties but you keep generating more penalties so you're basically killing yourself through the action economy (laughs) yeah 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 you can drive up that deficit i love it deficit actions this is clearly a brutal game yeah none of us took damage or died right However, hit points are very low. We were first-level characters. My character sheet says I have 12 health, but we weapons were, we are... We were first-level characters? Yep. Oh, holy shit, this game, is, this game is highfalutin powers. Damn. Yeah. You, you parkour a motorcycle, bruh. I did. Yeah, it, it, every time Colin described us, he's like, you are extremely competent badasses, right? That is the baseline assumption, and then levels go up from there. Okay, see, I thought that we were extremely competent badasses, but I didn't know we were level one extremely competent badasses. I, I missed that part mm-hmm. of the... Sorry. No, it's it's it's, it's good. It, mm-hmm. it was an easy detail to miss. I wouldn't have noticed either if I hadn't uh, seen it on the character sheet. But the world itself was respective to our badassery Mm -hmm. it it wasn't that we were so overpowered the world bent around us guns could easily kill you in one hit Mm -hmm. a a gun can do a d8 damage and if you have nine health that pretty much kills you in one shot I, I think someone had a shotgun somewhere, and that did a D12. Yep, I had a shotgun, and then I grabbed another shotgun, because I said, one shotgun, not for me. I need two. 
and I need a robot arm that extends on a chain. Oh, I have that. Which, honestly, that's not how I read the character sheet, so I'm glad you got that character. <laughs> I couldn't have played Scott's character. I Too much... Too much power. He's perfect for it. I would have been like, uh, I'm a kitten. I want to touch people, but I can't. <laughs> I, I thought you'd have loved playing basically a digital hologram, given how much you love playing shape changers. Yeah, but you you never change shape, and you just used emojis. Like I wouldn't have. I don't know what I would have done. I would have. I wouldn't have been. Wouldn't have been good for me. Uh, Corporal kittens has been in the game since the original version. It was in my original playtest back in uh, 2015. He is, uh, She is just a great established flavor character of Axon Punk. Love it. Yeah, I thought she was Colonel Kittens. So during that little scene with the bobblehead, I changed it to Colonel and that was wrong. And then I looked at the sheet and I was like, I'm an idiot. Oh, well. It's okay. So we have been waxing poetic about how much we enjoyed the system. Was there anything we didn't like? Anything that we could consider might need to be changed or improved or suggested? I think the character sheet's kind of messy looking. But I know that the game's not finished yet, so I think that's not fair. But the character sheet kind of reminds me of, like... Something I would have done in, in like high school, like with just like block text. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a, a snob, but it's not like it was hard to understand. It's just nothing stood out to me and nothing seemed different, like to keep track of. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it was it was not. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. There's a lot of information about this game. Uh, this game is definitely crunchy, but there is also a lot of narrative control and agency that players have so there's a lot of text to support what you can do yeah i can't it's, it's not easy to summarize in just a plus two right uh, now i definitely respect that about the system and i really love what it's giving us as players but yeah there's a lot of details to look at now it could very well be that since these are pre-gen characters and this is they, a, they include all the rules in one place rather than just having references to them Right. And and plus this, as Matt said, we are looking at information still within a testing stage, even though we are pretty close to a final testing stage. Mm -hmm. So there's certainly some allowance to be considered, but I do agree that these character sheets are walls of text. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, I think if, if, if I were uh, the, the first, you know, I, I probably have other complaints. The, the first complaint I want to lodge is uh, really... I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a complaint against uh, Axon Punk so much as it's a complaint about Numenera. Because <laughs> when Axon Punk was such a fun universe that was created and had rules I liked, and yet Numenera was less fun when I played it and had less satisfying rules and had a universe that made a lot less sense to me. Like, I don't understand how a robot could dissect into so many doobobs. Right, and that was our gold coin exchange system. Was doobobs that that made shins. zero shins, shivs, shin, shin like your bone, like a shin really? bone. A shiv could be a shin though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> depending on what it was like, made out. You were of. like, how many? Sh like, what is a shin? They I were just... like, it's just a thing. So you're like, I could cut all my shins into five tinier shins, and they're still worth the same. 
they're like, no, those are fifth shins. That's like a different unit. Everyone in this universe, you need to you need to passively accept that everyone in this universe has an intuitive understanding of the value of a specific immeasurable and unexpressible unit of worth that that you as a player can simply never comprehend. <laughs> this criticism of Numenera brought to you by Axon Punk. Yeah, and and so so really the complaint I'm getting at here, right, is is that Numenera. The mechanics and the the setting, really not my personal cup of tea at all. Uh, Axon Punk, definitely, right? But Numenera, amazing art. Great art, right? Super compelling, like like future fantasy dark, uh, not really dark, but but uh, great art, right? If 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 that much uh, if that many art resources could have been reallocated to Axon Punk rather than uh, Numenera, the system I don't like, I think uh, the universe as I perceive it would be, uh, globally more just and great. Well, considering that Axon Punk is on Kickstarter, listeners, you have the ability to change that allocation. Colin and his team have many plans for Axon Punk. You can check out the link in the show notes, look at everything they have planned for stretch goals. Based on our conversations, the team has some very ambitious goals about what they want to do, especially to support the musical flavor and inspiration of the world. Colin is working with our old friend Jim McClure over at Third Act Publishing to bring this game into reality. And as Scott said, if we can shift that allocation of funds, the world will be a better place. And uh, when you're looking at the stretch goals, it's not a typo. Uh, Red Tomahawks is spelled with an X. Just back at that level. Anything else specifically about the system, Scott, that we played here today that we may consider something maybe not necessarily negative, but a constructive critique or criticism? I'd I'd say uh, it sounds like there are only five classes. I don't know if that was to mirror the five stats. It doesn't seem like it was because... uh... At least the, the pre-builds we have seem to not have, uh, you know, a single amazing stat, right? They seem to have a couple good, a couple bad, right? So, but 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 five classes uh, does seem a bit tragically limited in a, in a very class-based game. Um, so I, I hope that, that there are just a lot of options or, or like themes underneath those classes to kind of more specialize you in a, in a game with more than five players. Um yeah, that would be a concern I would have. Recommending this to like a, my home group, right? To, we'd end up with that the tragic two warlock situation that we have right now, where we have two characters who both showed up and they are the exact same character. The five classes do define the stereotypical elements of the Gibson era cyberpunk. So I definitely like their inclusion. But yes, class-based systems can easily feel a little bit limited especially with multiple players. Now, of course, we had pre-gen characters. We did not get to experience character generation. From my understanding, and I, I may be a little bit wrong here and things may change as they move forward, but as you are building your character, you are spending points to invest into character stats, into training, and purchasing your lifestyle moves and general skills. So... I believe that there are ways to differentiate yourself and your choices within a certain class. Lifestyle moves are kind of like feats if we want to think in D&D terms. So purchasing different feats lets you do different things. 
the cyber technology was something we didn't get to touch on very much. All of our characters had things, and they factored into our stats and training kind of passively. But buying different elements of cyber technology let you do different things. Matt, your character had power arms and armored skeleton and things like that. We didn't even get to use the fact that you had a morphing face. Yeah, I read that really late in the game, but our plan didn't need it, so I didn't need to bring it up. You didn't just bring it up anyway? Like, I have a severe frown. I have a mustache. I did decide that I have eyes, like um, the character from Ghost in the Shell was the the maid, not the major, the captain. Oh, he's got, he's, B- Bateau. Yeah, those I got are, eyes, yeah, I I got eyes like eyes. him. But my exosuit armor looks more like RoboCop when it's like deployed. <laughs> but when I'm using the the binocular eyes, I got those creepy like bateau with RoboCop armor. Who's overpowered now, dude? I have an arm with a chain. I at first level. At first level, yeah. It was it was good times. Good times were had. Yeah, and he didn't say I couldn't become a motorcycle. He did not say no when you brought that up. Yeah, which... no, he did not say no. He kind of snuck underneath the radar there. So maybe, maybe I part sh- of what we loved was the DM style. Yeah, I should have became a motorcycle, but like I said, we didn't need a motorcycle. We needed someone to be the turret, and I did that. It was very nice work. I am nothing if not a team player. You should be very proud. E for effort. Uh, hackers could build their own decks. I know that that is part of the character generation. AIs can purchase different programs what they call canned programs to drop into their hacking and things like that. You're exploding. Uh, There are definitely elements that allow for customization. We just did not get to experience them. Uh, However, having only five core classes, even though they are the archetypes and tropes, yeah, that is kind of a limit. It it, it could be. I I, I would like to to get into the the character building if if, if you bring up that that point buy is the deal i've i've had uh times in my life where i loved point buy systems and i've had times in my life where i've really disliked them uh so i, I i'd like to see how that played out too that'd be more of like a like an asterisk or a crossbar or a question mark you know some sort of ellipsis a prime apostrophe i don't know could be a stretch goal so let's hope for that stretch hey. goal could be you know first splat book with one to three extended characters or, or something, you know, includes mm-hmm. Arcology of Detroit. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So some sort of um, like a Korean Peninsula reinterpretation thing. Exactly. You, you so get all kinds have, of great. Then we have the motorcycle jousters or the motorcycle knights. <laughs> uh, we have the uh, the adrenaline the adrenaline junkies. And then we have I'm just trying to think of like straight up steampunk. I mean, uh, straight up uh, cyberpunk stuff that involves no magic. Uh, Japanese police officers who take off their clothes to become invisible. Yeah. Okay. Great. Inviso cops. All right. Great. You're welcome, Colin. You can send the checks to uh, Matt at the RPG. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See what nice. I did there? Because it's a check, not a complaint. Okay. You know what, guys? Go on. All righty. So. It's safe to say we all enjoyed this game. Yeah, I, I, I get that impression. Well, unless Matt's harboring some deep-seated hatreds that he's just politely... All right, we'll sit down, guys. I'm about to take you all to lunch. <laughs> Let me tell you about this game and what I thought about... No, just kidding. I thought this game was really fun. Cool. 
like I said, I would have liked to look at the the rules a little bit more and definitely print them up. But besides that, we'll we'll just have to wait for the Kickstarter like everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's coming soon, day after Valentine's Day. To an internet near you, and appreciation of the system and world aside, Colin just ran a great game for us. It yes, was, it was he, fun. Yeah, really fun. He let us get away with murder. We literally did. Yep. He also worked it right in the story. I don't. <laughs> he gave us a lot of great flavor, and he made a very dense world very accessible to us. I think uh, he has invented so much about this story with his team. Uh, yet he really brought us into the game world quite easily. Mm-hmm. I, I felt. I felt. The difference and the uniqueness of his world on top of what I know about the cyberpunk trope. So he he really did run a great game for us. Uh, th- this was easily one of my favorite games we've played here uh, in, our, in our trials. So uh, I, I certainly recommend Axon Punk. I think it is a fantastic game. It is a great example of the cyberpunk genre. And it is definitely something that should be obtained and put on your shelf to put in your game rotation. Agreed. Any final words from either of you before we wrap up here? Uh, if you ever get a chance to play a cybernetic uploaded AI cat, I highly recommend it. Characters fun as shit. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I really, I really enjoyed my cyborg. I should have used him in more of his abilities, but it was very fun to uh, play as a guy who was literally a Swiss Army knife outstanding so thank you both for jumping back on here to record our wrap-up uh ladies and gentlemen that was the recap of the trial of axon punk overdrive which is right now as we speak on kickstarter being funded the link is in the show notes please follow that link and lend your support to this outstanding game thank you very much for listening we do appreciate it for Scott, Matthew, Michael, myself, everyone at the RPG Academy Network. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. 
please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.